Hey, everybody, it is Trags, Mike Petralia, back with yet another episode of the Jungle War podcast. And in this episode, I welcome back old friend Kelsey Conway, uh, covering the Bengals and the NFL for the Cincinnati Inquirer, doing a great job doing so. As a matter of fact, you can follow her on Twitter at Kelsey L. Conway, all one word. Are you ready for Thursday night? I'm so ready. Doesn't it always feel like the week of, like, you just hurry up and wait? Yes. Like, you've already released your mock drafts. You've already talked through team needs. Like, honestly, draft week is kind of a quiet week for reporters because you're just waiting for the teams to make their picks. And then, you know, it gets busy when you find out who it is and you start doing all the research on who they are and why they were the picks. So it's kind of an interesting week because it's like the calm before the storm, right? Hurry up and wait. And that's kind of what drives me nuts about this week. At least we had Zach Taylor on Monday to talk to uh, and get, you know, a final take from him on uh, what uh, the Bengals are talking about inside the walls. Obviously, they're not going to talk about any prospects specifically because they're not going to give away their hand. But I do think it's interesting when we spoke to Duke Tobin on Friday that um, actually both Zach and Duke uh, were asked about Jonah Williams. And we're going to start with Jonah Williams, then move on to the draft. You had a story, Kelsey, in the Cincinnati Inquirer about uh, the team still talking over the possibilities and whether or not they would pick up the fifth-year option on Jonah Williams. Uh, and it's interesting, Kelsey, because I went into the offseason assuming that Jonah Williams was their left tackle of the future. I get the sense it's not so much a Sherlock anymore. Yeah. So obviously, like when we look at it from the season, like Jonah was the best offensive lineman the team had last year, you could argue. And I oh, actually most reliable. Sure. I actually asked Brian Callahan that at the combine. I was like, you know, who was the best offensive lineman? And he said, you know, Jonah. And then you start going through, okay, the Bengals made all these changes, their offensive line. You don't know how they're going to shake out. You hope they're really good. But then you start talking about, okay, well, if you're planning for the future, is Jonah a part of the future at your left tackle? And when I went through the PFF numbers, I was stunned at how bad they were for Jonah because we think he's the best because he's the best of a really bad group last year, but he's very middle of the pack left tackle. And at the rate at which it feels like college football, it feels like every year there's like three or four really good tackles in the first round. Um, Like, I mean, this year there's, you know, three that people are saying could all be taken within like the first 15 picks. I just don't know if they look at it and say his production is good enough that they view him as the franchise guy at left tackle. And in order to pick up his option, the reason it's important is it's fully guaranteed. So although it doesn't guarantee it more than the 2024 season, that's a lot of money to invest in someone if you're in about him. So the Bengals have a lot of questions to, to ask themselves, but basically if you look at Zach Taylor's answer, I mean, when he was asked, he said, think he's a good ascending young player. Ascending. You do need to keep in the fact that he missed his entire rookie season. So he's really only played two seasons. And last year was the one where he started every game. So 
in a lot of aspects, he's still pretty young, but he also came from Alabama and was drafted in the high in the first round. So like, it's not a case where he's like, Oh, it might take him a little bit. Like when you get drafted out of Alabama and in the first round, you are expected to be like with it. Cause Alabama is viewed as like the 33rd NFL team. Right. So I don't know if they will pick up Jonah's fifth year option. I've argued it both ways. I've argued it in my head saying, yeah, they should because he's good enough. But I've also argued it in my head. He's really small for a left tackle. And could they upgrade there? Probably. But if they upgrade, it would likely be with a rookie and a draft pick. Then you're taking a gamble on, okay, is that guy going to be like, Good. Um, so a lot of lot of questions there, but it's something that we didn't really talk about much until this past week, but now it's a very interesting question. As you tweeted out, Williams allowed 10 sacks and 34 hurries last year per pro football focus. And, you know, th- those are like middling numbers. Those are not, I would even argue the 34 hurries, that's a lot. And um, I think that the Bengals have to at the very least reassess and I don't know how you feel about this but if they they take Bernard Raymond uh, from Central Michigan um, a tackle projected tackle in the NFL they take him um, I think that could be an indication that no they're not going to pick up his fifth year option what do you think well the draft will tell you a lot about their plans because if they take a tackle in the first three rounds you can probably expect them to not pick up his option because they have to do it by next week. But most of the time teams have already made this decision. So like, I don't think that the Bengals are going to be like running to the board on May 2nd to like push in the paperwork that they either aren't going to pick up his option or not. So I think like they know now what they're going to do. The draft will just tell us, like, I don't think the draft is going to tell them, Hey, we're going to pick up the fifth year option or not. Right. And so what you're saying is the draft will sort of be a, an announcement, if you will, whereas um, it won't be like a declaration that is something they didn't know already going in. That makes total sense. All right. Uh, let's move on. By the way, if you're wondering about the numbers, and we always do when we're talking about these contracts, um, Jonah Williams is scheduled to make uh, 2.8. Uh, almost $2.9 million this year. The cap number because of bonuses um, is 5.6. That's this year, but we don't know what he would make uh, if the Bengals pick up his uh, 2023 option. So just that bit of business out of the way. All right, let's go on to the position that I think a lot of Bengal fans think they're going to go if they stay at 31 and they don't trade down. They're going to go in the secondary, and they're going to go probably cornerback. I wrote on CLNS Media, the best-case scenario would be Trent McDuffie, a corner out of Washington, being available somehow, someway at 31. Almost certainly not going to happen. Um, Also, Andrew Booth, uh, if he passes his medicals, and Kair Elam, uh, the cornerback out of Florida. And it'll be just very interesting to me to see whether or not the Bengals go in that direction. Do you think it, do you think a cornerback is the most likely scenario if they stay at 31? Yes, but 
I'm really, I have no idea what the Bengals are going to do because I think there's going to be a run on corners and the Bengals might be looking at their fourth best corner or a safety who could potentially be the second best safety. I think there's always a run on corners. It's a passing league. Teams always need corners. Um, I mean, like, look at the Kansas City Chiefs who pick right before the Bengals. Like, they need a corner. Um, And these teams, it's important for listeners and fans to know, like, part of this, um, like, the pro scouting job is because college scouts are the ones that kind of do most of the draft stuff. Pro scouts' role in the draft process is to identify other teams' needs. And that's a part of this thing. So that's a great point. <laughs> when you're looking at the Bengals, like it's important to look at like six to eight picks ahead of them and those team needs, because for example, like the Bucks and the Packers, I mean, I don't think Packers need a corner, but like, do those teams need a corner? I, that's why I didn't even knock Andrew Booth to the Bengals because I, I just don't think he's going to be available. But I have a feeling there's going to be a run on corners from about like 22 to 30. And that's going to put the Bengals in a position where it's do we take, do we reach and take like the fourth or fifth, fifth best corner? Or is there a player like Jalen Petrie or Jaquan Brisker, who's a safety that might be or an edge guy that might be higher up on their board, um, do they do that? So it's so hard to predict this because of where the Bengals are picking. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's it's easy to say they're going to go corner, and I've mocked corners to them. But the more I read about Elam, I'm not sure he's like a sure bet he rolls in here and becomes a starter right away. And you want your first round pick to be a starter. I don't know. I know coaches will give you coach speak, but I really appreciate the honesty from the Steelers GM the other day in his project press conference. He said, our business model, our first three picks are expected to be starters. And I think any GM that tells you that like Zach kind of danced around the whole, like, do you want this person to be a starter question the other day? And I get why he's doing it because he not want to put that pressure. But at the end of the day, if you're a first or second round pick, you're expected to be a starter. That's why there's so many questions about Jackson Carmen, you know, things like that. So I don't know if Elam is worth 31, um, but we'll see. So that you break, you bring up a great point, and that is whether or not a player, whether it's a cornerback, whether it's an offensive lineman, you have to judge as to whether or not you think the player you're drafting is worth having that fifth year option on. And will they, you know, develop into that uh, kind of player? And obviously we already spoke about a couple of minutes ago, Jonah Williams, there's a question as to whether or not the Bengals want to give him that fifth year. And I think if as a general manager or vice uh, director of player personnel like Duke Tobin is part of your job and part of the scouts job is to project that the best you can. Obviously some, some of this is a crapshoot, but you know, their job is to try and project whether or not a player, even if he's not a starter in year number one, will he develop into an impact player? Because I think the better question, and, and I've tried to ask this of Duke and I asked it of uh, Zach 
to me, it's not whether or not you start right away. It's how much of an impact and how many snaps you play. And it's interesting to me whether or not at 31, the Bengals want to move down maybe a couple of picks and then you lose that fifth year, but gain a pick. And, you know, I, what do you think of that kind of, that kind of thinking? Yeah, I don't. So this is my first draft with the Bengals. So I think it's going to take me a little bit to figure out kind of like what Duke Tobin's strategy is, like where I was formerly the general manager was a big needs guy. And it's, you could argue, right. Kind of screwed him, but he's a big needs guy versus BPA. Um, I don't know enough about Duke Tobin's strategy yet to kind of be able to talk through those things. Um, but I do think that it's pretty clear they're going to address the defensive side of the ball early and often in this draft class. I would be stunned if four of the picks are not defensive players. That is because I believe they have spent so much on free agency on defense the last couple of years, well, actually last year and, and even the year before that on a a guy like Von Bell, um, mm-hmm. that they have to have depth there because of, and, you know, a guy like obviously, uh, reader, uh, DJ reader, um, he also falls into that category. They have to start drafting for depth behind these free agents if they, they leave, which is another reason I think Joseph Asai coming on this year and for all intents and purposes, this will be his, um, rookie year because of the injury last year they've got to have depth there and I think to your point that's why they probably select three or four players at least uh, on the defensive side of the ball yeah for sure have you taken a uh, what do you think um, have you taken a look at the last couple of years Kelsey in their drafts the reason I bring this up is they almost always seem to have success when they're drafting offensive players um, star players, and they have a lot more struggles when they, when they draft defensive players, uh, playmakers, that is. Um, there are exceptions to the rule, but when you go back a couple of years, um, you, you take a look, obviously, at Jonah Williams. You take a look at a guy like John Ross, who they completely swung and missed on. I'm just wondering, you know, if the Bengals internally, and Duke Tobin's been around a number of years now around the Bengals. Uh, if he has a comfort level in selecting offensive players versus defensive players. Hmm. Obviously you'd probably say offense, right? Cause he was a quarterback. So he yes. knows that position. Um, but I, I haven't looked at it much as like offense versus defense. I more so look at it just like who were maybe like hidden gems and they have like found some, you know, good players later rounds. Um, But I don't know. I I think it's also like really hard to guess how defensive players are going to like develop versus offense because offenses are just so much more advanced at the college level. So they already come in with like a lot more tape and you already know like what you're going to get versus like, Logan Wilson coming from Wyoming, you know, you, you really liked the intangibles, but because of his level of competition, it took, you know, a year for him to really blossom into what he is. So I just think defense is just, it's a little bit harder because of the positions. Um, But I think that would be interesting to go back kind of through like the last five years and 
separate offense versus defense and really see like how many starters were offense versus defense. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Yeah. And um, I will uh, do that as soon as our conversation ends, (laughs) or if you give a nice long answer, Kelsey, I'll do it while you're answering. So (laughs) keep that in mind. But anyway, um, offensive linemen, we already talked about the Jonah Williams situation. We brought up Bernard Raymond, who we read a lot about and heard a lot about in early mock drafts. I don't know about you, but his name is kind of dropping a little bit in terms of, you know, really hot names that are buzzing around the Bengals. And the name I'm going to bring up now is one, I think, and in talking with James Rapine this week, I think he feels the same way. You either love the guy as a pick there or you want no business with him at 31. And that's Tyler Linderbaum. Where do you fall on the Tyler Linderbaum um, choice? I have never mocked Tyler Linderbaum to the Bengals because I think there is like a 1% chance Tyler Linderbaum is there at 31. I think that he is, I mean, people saw what Creed Humphrey did for the Chiefs as a rookie center. I just think like, whether it be like Tampa or someone, they're going to take him. So uh, I I don't even like put my mind with that pick because I just don't think that there's any chance that Tyler Linderbaum falls to 31. All right. Um, What about uh, Zion Johnson out of Boston College? I... I don't think he's the pick at 31. I think there's a better edge guy available at that point or a safety. Um, I think that look like you got to address the defense. And so I think for me, I don't think he's the pick at 31. I, I, I would right. like that in the second round maybe because they do still have some questions at guard, but not at 31. All right. You went to the University of Cincinnati. Kelsey and uh, speaking with Kelsey Conway follower on Twitter at Kelsey L Conway, all one word doing a fabulous job covering the Bengals for the inquirer. You went to the university of Cincinnati and the Bearcats are uh, certainly everybody projects going to have their most significant um, uh, matriculation into the NFL in program history on Thursday Mm -hmm. night. And that's going to start with Sauce Gardner. He's got, he's a top five pick. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You mentioned already that this is a pass heavy league. And when you have a talent on the defensive side of the ball, you can put them out on an island. Um, Sauce Gardner is going to go in the top five. You agree with that, right? No yeah. doubt. I have no idea where he's going though. Like, right. I don't think it's two. I, I think Jets. the Jets, yeah. but like if Thibodeau's there, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. That's what makes the draft so fun. It does. And we'll get to that in a little. Well, I'll bring it up now. What the hell? This is one of the more unpredictable drafts, I think, that I've seen in, you know, my 25 years of covering the National Football League. And the reason for that is I don't think there are a lot of players at the top of this draft that are slam dunks or can't miss uh, prospects. Maybe there are, but I don't think they that there is the depth of slam dunks at the top of this draft. And I think that opens up the window for this draft to really unfold in a number of different ways, almost countless ways. Yeah, I, I can't. Like, 
also it just hasn't been that interesting. Like there's not enough like really good players that like you can't wait to see like Chase Young a couple of years ago, right. Trevor Miles Lawrence. Garrett. Um and like this is just a, a just another draft and it's been weird because I feel like in some regards it's like made the draft less exciting. Obviously draft weekend will come and it'll be so exciting. But it's just a weird draft. Like Nobody knows, like, last year it was a sure bet, like, this quarterback's going here, you know, because there were so many good quarterbacks. It's a weird draft, and I'm so curious to see where these guys go. And I think it's really hard to try and predict, like, one through five, and that's why there's been so many different mock drafts done. Desmond Ritter to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to go with a – shocker here and oh. I do not think Desmond Ritter goes in the first round all right why is Desmond that? Ritter I know he checks all a lot of boxes but the biggest trait a quarterback in the NFL needs is accuracy that is Desmond Ritter's biggest weakness he checks all the boxes for the pre-snap stuff the teammate the leader athleticism he does not have the most accurate arm and I think it's going to push him to the second round. I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. I also don't think Desmond Ritter is in a position where he's going to come in and start right away. I Even if the Steelers were to take him, I think they know that. I think they know that they've got to get their hands on him, work with him, like you said, on the mechanics to make sure he's a much more accurate passer at the NFL level. That being said, Accuracy is something you can work on. And accuracy is something um, that uh, I think just giving him the reps, whether it's in practice, whether it's in exhibition games, or whether it's him taking his licks for a year, um, I think that is something you can work on. The way he sees the field is not necessarily something you can work on. And I think that's where a lot of teams very much value this guy. I was talking to Evan Lazar. He's our uh, draft guru uh, for CLNS media does an incredible job, you know, covering about 200, you know, mocking about 250 players and he breaks down all the film. What he told me was last maybe two weeks ago on the pod is that he can't believe there's not more buzz about Desmond Ritter. And, and I asked him, well, why is that? I mean, because he's not a spectacular quarterback. Anybody who watched him doesn't see him as a spectacular talent. And he says to me that what he has the ability to read and break down defenses is at a like a third or fourth year quarterback level in the NFL. And that is very, very unusual. And so it, it, it'll be very interesting to me, Kelsey, to see how different teams or, you know, after the fact kind of maybe view Desmond Ritter and who winds up eventually taking them. Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Kobe Bryant would be a great fit for the Bengals. Um, if you're talking about maybe second day, you know, second or third round pick um, to fill in at corner. The reason I like him so much is because a lot of college teams just didn't even bother throwing at sauce, right? So mm-hmm. who was on the other side? Well, that was Kobe Bryant. And I think Kobe Bryant has the ability to be an impact player at the next level. How about you? Yeah, um, I, I, to be honest, haven't watched enough of Kobe Bryant to comment on him. Um, I know he's a good player, and I know corners need for the Bengals. So I just, 
think that when I watched Bearcats game, I kind of fanned out too much to like focus on like, oh, he's uh, this, this, he'd be this type of fit and lose defense. Um, and I always like to tell the truth and be honest. So, um, I mean, you could say it's a fit because Bengals need a corner, um, but you'd be able to speak more on Kobe Bryant than I am because I, I wasn't able to watch all of the Bearcats games like you were. So my, my read on Kobe Bryant is that he has a sneaky, sneaky way of making a play on the ball and he has explosiveness to the ball and he can tackle. He, to me, checks a lot of boxes. Um, he doesn't have extraordinary height and he doesn't have the, you know, extraordinary speed, but I think he is a playmaker at the next level. And he had his first pick six this year for the Bearcats. And I, I just think he has an ability to make plays on the ball. And that is something that would be a great fit for the Bengals because, uh, frankly, I think they could use a couple of playmakers like that more, uh, in their secondary and, and turn the other team over, um, a little bit more and get the, you know, that's something that, um, Duke Tobin and, and Zach this past week have mentioned. They, they want to get the ball back in the hands of the offense as much as possible. And I don't know about you, but in watching the Bengals last year, that's one area I think the defense could improve upon. Agreed. And you saw it make the difference that it did in the playoffs. And in it, Kansas it City, for sure. It just wasn't a big enough part of their defense. Um, during the season. And I think that stems solely from not having enough ball hawks. Um, I think when you look at like Cheeto's strength is not ball hawking. Um, You know, Jesse Bates is the best ball hawk and he's okay at it. Right. Like, so I think when they're looking at corners, can they take the ball away? Do they have a knack for knocking the ball out? I mean, that's what they should be focused on. So what are you going to be doing between now and the draft and the draft weekend? Anything? Just rusting up? Trying to rest up on sleep since we're not going to be getting much of it. I mean, the Bengals aren't going to be picking until almost midnight on Thursday and probably late into Friday. Um, Here's hoping they make a pick on Thursday. I would not be very happy. If they trade out and don't make a pick, but I'm not buying that. I I don't think there's any way they trade out. Um, I just don't. And so I'm just going to be like resting up, reading mock drafts, you know, just getting myself in the zone. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the Bengals uh, getting through this draft and seeing what the roster after free agency, after the draft, what it looks like. And then we're going to have all of the stories. You know this, Kelsey, going forward. What are the different drafts? Um, draft selections mean for different positions uh, on the roster, veterans on the roster, and and where might positional battles come? I mean, I, we're assuming right now as we we record this uh, that it's going there's going to be a positional battle on the secondary. I think what would be interesting is whether or not there will be a battle at corner and safety or just corner. Yeah, for sure. I think. I think they'll add a safety in the corner. I mean, if you look at the numbers, they need a backup safety. So I think they for sure addressed that this year. Well, I look forward to covering the draft with you, Kelsey. Uh, be sure to follow Kelsey Conway on Twitter at Kelsey L. Conway, all one word. Follow all of her great stuff on the Cincinnati Inquirer, Cincinnati.com. Kelsey, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on. It was a blast. As always. Talk to you next time.